God Hears Her. God Hears Her. God Hears Her is brought to you. Is brought to you. By our Daily Bread Ministries. Visit GodHearsHer.org. Visit GodHearsHer.org. Or find us on social for more information. It was this Jesus's invitation into like companionship. I think that was the draw for me. Like, what does it mean to have a friend that you can take with you that is always available that you can, you know, I remember like just being in conversation throughout the day being like, what does it mean to believe that God is so real and so accessible that like this God can be beside me as I go to math class or as I, I try and get through life as it is. And I think that for me has always been like the, the pulse of Christianity is that, is the companionship of God. You're listening to God Hears Her, a podcast for women where we explore the stunning truth that God hears you, he sees you, and he loves you because you are his. Find out how these realities free you today on God Hears Her. Welcome to God Hears Her. I'm Erin Eddy. And I'm Elisa Morgan. Burnout, depression, how to read and study the Bible, and what it means to step into our gifts as women. (laughs) Today, Megan Good joins God Hears Her to offer some wisdom from her life and experiences in all these areas and more. It sounds like a random list of topics, but Megan really offered some tangible wisdom in all those areas as our conversation meandered through Megan's life. A little bit about Megan Good. She is a passionate storyteller with degrees from Gordon College, Duke Divinity School, and Portland Seminary. She's best known for her book, The Bible Unwrapped, which offers a helpful path to reading and understanding even the difficult parts of scripture. And as you will hear, she is really wise. And we hope that you will enjoy her tangible wisdom as much as Elisa and I did. So let's get to our conversation with Megan as she describes her growing up years and how God became real to her. This is God Hears Her. Well, I feel like I'm one of those people who is as far back as I can look in my life, like God felt very real and very present for me. Um, But I think there was a real turning point in my life in my early teens. I had some health problems myself and just went into a period of, of, I guess I would say depression, like a real kind of dark period in life. And during that time, met Jesus in a really profound way. Like I started reading scripture and just felt like it was like I'd been going through this dark tunnel and the light just suddenly came on and kept getting brighter and brighter. And so by the time I was 15, I knew whatever I did with the rest of my life, like I wanted to help other people have the experience of God and of scripture that I had had that was so powerful and so liberating. So what was it about that season where you were going through depression that inspired you to pick up the Bible? In some ways, I, I wish I remembered that more clearly than I do. I mean, I, I think it was partially, it wasn't a turn in the path so much as like a deeper commitment to the path I was on. Mm. Um, that w- One of the reasons I was in the moment in life I was in was in part that I had already been trying to like, in adolescent ways, but walk out the Jesus way. And that was not appealing to some of the people I'd been in relationship with. So in that course of my life, I was also losing some relationships that I had valued. And so it was it was this Jesus's invitation into like companionship, I think that was the draw for me. Like, what does it mean to have a friend that you can take with you that oh. is always available that you can, you know, I remember like just being in conversation throughout the day being like, what does it mean to believe that God is so real and so accessible 
that like this god can be beside me as I go to math class or as I, I try and get through life as it is. And I think that for me has always been like the, the pulse of Christianity mm. is that is the companionship mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. So punch pause and, and take us back a little further. What were your growing up years like, you know, in terms of as a child and then at what age did the depression begin to hit you? And did you know God before yeah. or how did that play out? I grew up in a Christian home and mm-hmm. my father was a pastor until recently. So I was exposed to the Christian story really early and, and really had a deep love early on for God and for the church. Mm. Um, but I, I think that almost anyone who has had deep exposure <laughs> to the church over the long run has some wounds that they carry from it. And mm. certainly people who do ministry and experience ministry from the inside, like you know a lot, mm-hmm. the best and the worst of what the people of God can be together. Mm. And so I think all of that contributed to my story and my sense of, in part, just being able to talk openly and honestly with God when sometimes in the church that feels too vulnerable or Mm, too dangerous to be Mm -hmm. possible. Mm -hmm. And um, realizing that (laughs) that's never the case with God. Mm -hmm. And I was 13 when things kind of shifted for me. Mm -hmm. And that was because that was the point at which I started having some health problems and transitioning into middle school and um, losing some friendships related to that Uh rhythm of faith. So Mm -hmm. all of those things kind of coincided for me, like Mm -hmm. they often do in different ways for people in middle school. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, there was never a real question Mm -hmm. where I was going, or at least the Mm -hmm. question didn't occur to me until... I was way past the point of no return. <laughs> you know? um, like sometimes these days I think, Jesus, what did you get me into? <laughs> but yes. it's different to ask that question once you're in. So and though. it didn't occur to me to ask yeah. it earlier because what he was offering was something I needed so profoundly at that moment yeah. in life. Yeah. How did that shape your teen years and then your young adult years with understanding that Jesus had invited you to be a friend, a companion, a, a constant presence? Yeah. I spent a lot of time in scripture as a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother at one point, she knew I was struggling and she gave me a journal and she said, maybe it would help you if you journaled your thoughts. Aww. And Smart lady. Yeah, journals. I, oh, love journals. Well, what was interesting is I wrote in it for a few weeks probably and I had this like feeling of indigestion where you sit too much in your own head and yes. and you think like all I'm doing is like externalizing this like mm. miserable feeling I'm having inside. <laughs> yeah. And I thought to myself at one point, like what if I read scripture and like listened for what God said instead and like wrote down what I thought I was hearing. Oh, wow. And that like immediately felt just like a breath of fresh air, like an input rather than an output and the thing that I was already stuck in. So I began a practice, I think I was 13 or 14 of, of sitting with scripture and then like writing the questions I had and what I observed. Mm. And, and usually that would turn into written prayer and I just started having these experiences with scripture where it was like I was watching it on a movie screen. Like it was so vivid to me, the story that was unfolding and and just so real and so relevant and so present that, yeah, um, yeah it just became a big part of just daily life and practice. It was like this thing that's like pulling you forward when not a lot in the rest of the world makes sense, but yeah. something about this story and the, the purpose mm. it offers makes sense. That's such a powerful exercise to get out of your head and open up the Bible and ask God, what do you want to show me? Yeah. I, how did you, 
Like, did you open up a certain part of the Bible? Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. where did you... did you start at the beginning? Yeah, did or... you start yeah. in Revelation? <laughs> there's a, te- <laughs> right. there's like, a technique. Yeah. I probably tried it. But yeah. yeah, I think the thing that I remember doing as a teenager that I still do sometimes, because mm-hmm. it's hard to read the Bible cover to cover because you, everybody gets lost in numbers, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you, like, have it's the best true. of intents and you die out. Right. Um, so actually what I started doing was I wrote all the books of the Bible and slips of paper and stuck them in a box and I would pray and draw one out. Oh, wow. Um, because I thought that both it gives me variety, but also it gives the spirit an opening to steer a little if there's mm-hmm. some place I need to be that I'm not. Oh, I love um, that. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember doing that. I have a little wooden box that I'm doing right now that I just started again. That's cool. Um, it's almost like opening up to the table of contents, closing your eyes and pointing, yeah, you know, yeah. letting your <laughs> finger fall in a certain place. But, you know, yeah. God can work through those. Yeah. You just really wanted to know. It sounds like yeah. you actually developed by doing that, by writing out your feelings and then reading scripture and listening, it sounds like a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I never meant it to open into prayer. And it was a surprise to me that that's what ended up happening is like every time I would reflect, like it just, it Mm. became prayer Um, because to me, the line of like thinking in the presence of God and then the conversation is not far Yeah, and it just kind of tips over. Mm. And I keep that practice even today in part because I think for me without, without that like fresh, direction from scripture I pray in ruts you know I just Mm. go round and round the same like I want this I want this I want this (laughs) like these are the three things that I'm always thankful for and scripture sends me off in new paths rather than just reinforcing the one that I'm stuck on oh that's good you have a really powerful way that you unpack the story Mm. of scripture I've read your book the bible unwrapped I love it I love it I love it love it love it and and can you share how you learned that? I mean, you're very schooled and you've been, you've learned a lot and stuff, but how did you get this approach where you look at scripture uniquely? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's funny because I feel like I'm overeducated in some ways at this point in scripture, but so much of the seed of what, what I think makes the Bible live was already there for me long before I studied the Bible in mm-hmm. higher education. Um, because for me, the heart of it is, is understanding the Bible as story. And that, like, it's not, it's not mechanical. That what we're hearing is a narrative of God's engagement with people, and you know, God reaching for people, people reaching for God, sometimes yeah. meeting, sometimes missing, yeah. and huh. I think the battle sometimes is like letting so much information sweep you away from the story, and the the Bible is is most alive when it is engaged with that kind of imaginative stance, yeah. um, to say like. Like, I could be this character. This could be my story. This is my story. How do yeah. I enter it? Um, so for me, it, it often started with just telling myself the story, mm-hmm. like filling in the details, picturing the scene, mm-hmm. like making it making it vivid enough that I was beginning to enter it. And mm-hmm. it was always amazing to me how often I would begin that process deliberately and get in the middle of the story. And, and then it just happens. Mm-hmm. And, and once you're in it, you look around and you see the whole landscape filling itself in and um, wow. details find their place. They, once you see the scene, like, oh, that's what that meant. Like, yeah. that's what that had to do with. I think most people get intimidated. Oh, absolutely. It reminds me of something that my mom did for me mm-hmm. when I, uh, for Christmas one year, my mom is an incredible cook. Like she is just an incredible chef. And it was, she never really dabbled in like cooking as much when I was younger. But as I got older and all the kids were leaving, she was like trying to find a fun hobby to do or fill her time or find something to fall in love with. And cooking was one of them. So one Christmas, she bought me this beautiful cookbook. And I'm 
not a chef, nor am I really great at cooking. You, <laughs> I, I, ho- I hope one day that I can do it as well as my mom. But uh, she gives me this beautiful cookbook. And mind you, it also, I like tried one evening to use one of the recipes, but you have to like prepare like a week in advance. So it's not one of those like oh, Pinterest snap. ones. Yeah. It's like roast <laughs> yeah. this for forever. <laughs> so you're yeah, like, yeah. not making this tonight. <laughs> Take the seeds out. Right, yeah. exactly. No, no. But she bought it for me. And in the front cover of the recipe book, she wrote this note and it's so sweet. She says, may you read recipes like I read a novel because hmm. she reads recipes like a novel. Yeah. But we can view recipes as like this and this and this and this, like more logistically or like uh, intimidating. And it sounds like like what you just said, Elisa, um, you can get intimidated to open up the Bible and dig in and to actually fall in love and be romanced Mm -hmm. by what Jesus wants to Mm -hmm. teach you in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I think it's interesting you mentioned that because I was like a huge reader as a kid, like Mm -hmm. read a book a day at least. Mm -hmm. And, and I I think that is part of the posture that made this possible for me is just like understanding that the same principles of imagination that apply in fiction Mm -hmm. um, apply with stories of ancient times, like that you're casting yourself into the mind Mm -hmm. of someone else. Uh, But it's not, we don't have so much to fear. You know, like we don't have to be afraid when we go in because even if even if we're wrong about Mm -hmm. something in Mm -hmm. in what we're interpreting, like God can still open Mm -hmm. the story can serve like a window Mm -hmm. that that opens something in us to God speaking. Yeah. Not just about the story, but through it to something else. I love that. Why Why do you think people fear opening up the Bible and reading it? I mean, I, I think I find people have a lot of fear of getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and this feels like a high stakes thing to get wrong. Like, mm-hmm. what if I get God wrong? Yeah. What if I get God's desires wrong? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to ruin his reputation or yeah, screw <laughs> yeah. it up with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Some of it, I just think people, I talk to a lot of people who just think I'm not smart enough. Like, mm-hmm. like this book is confusing and mm-hmm. I don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where... I mean, I like what I get to do now is help people just have a few tools to, to be like, no, if, if you understand the cliff notes of the story, mm-hmm. like then you can begin this exercise of imagining mm-hmm. yourself in different chapters of it. Like oh. it, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a doctorate. It doesn't take expertise. It just takes a basic plot line yeah. um, and, and you're in. And the plot line of the overarching story of the Bible is? Oh man! Ooh. To really simplify it, <laughs> can you do that in just a few minutes? <laughs> she can. She can. I've, I've, I've heard her do I it. Believe it's it. powerful. Yeah. I mean, God is remaking the world and bringing all broken things back together. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I think the the whole plot line is a story of healing. Like mm-hmm. how do how do you go from the brokenness of the world as we've made it in ourselves and everything else, and back into wholeness and restoration? Mm-hmm. And that's the project, at least, that mm-hmm. God is engaged in. So the rest is the details on how we get from here to there. Mm-hmm. You have a, a metaphor about the woods and a cabin yeah, and a window. And just pretend like I didn't say any of that. Okay. Tell me that story right here. Yeah, this story is so important to me, or this metaphor, because it, it really was the point where I began to understand my relationship with Scripture different. Like, I, I think the way that we can think of ourselves in relationship with the Bible is sort of like being in a cabin in the middle of the woods. And the cabin is the world that we know. And outside the woods, that is like the whole cosmos, like everything that that God is, everything that is truth. And the question is like, how do we look outside of the only world we know to that bigger picture? And some people think of the Bible as if it's the thing, you know, it's the end goal. But that's sort of like looking at the Bible like a painting hanging on the wall. It's static. It doesn't move. It's an end in itself. And some people 
get frustrated with the Bible and they think, no, I'm just going to like imagine what's what's out there myself. And what they end up doing is basically like looking in a mirror. And the only thing they see is a reflection of themselves in what's already in the cabin. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the Bible is, is actually a window. It's a means, not an end. Mm-hmm. Um, we look through scripture and we're invited through looking through it into this like wide world of God, the forest. And I mean, in some ways, I guess you could say even a doorway that in which we step into that world and live with God. But I think we're in trouble if we either, if we turn to the mirror, we're doomed. Mm-hmm. And if we treat it like a painting, we're missing the point. Wow. Um, the beauty is, is it is a means to Christ. It's a means to life with God. That's why it was given as gift, is, is for us to walk in the woods and share that companionship with God. And when we come back, Megan Good will speak to those women who are pretty certain God has gifted them with certain gifts, but are having a hard time believing God wants them to use those gifts. That's coming up on God Hears Her. Hey friends, if you're enjoying today's episode, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you never miss a new episode of the God Hears Her podcast. When you subscribe, new episodes are delivered straight to your device or computer. So hit subscribe and remember that God sees you, He hears you, He loves you because you are His. Welcome back to God Hears Her. I'm Elisa Morgan. And I'm Erin Eddy. And in just a moment, we will hear Megan Good speak from her own experience of beginning to recognize the gifts God has given her, but struggling to believe that God would really use her and her gifts to influence others. But before we do, just a quick reminder that if you miss anything in today's show, the show notes are available in the podcast description or on our website at godhearsher.org. The show notes not only contain the talking points for today's episode, you'll also find a link to a free e-booklet titled The Greatest Story Ever Told. This free e-booklet tells the overarching story of the Bible in a way that will help you think through even some of the most difficult parts of Scripture. Just click on the link in the podcast description or on our website at godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. Now, back to the show. Here's Megan Good as she describes how her shyness as a child led her to doubt God's call on her life. This is God Hears Her. I was a pretty shy kid. Like, mm. I did not, I was not the first to talk in class or eager to get up. Mm. And that left me with kind of a dilemma after I started falling in love with the Bible because I felt like I was burning with such passion um, to do something with it. But I, I didn't think God would want me. Like, I didn't, Ooh. like, there was no version in my head in which, like, for a variety of reasons, like yeah. personality and gender and experience yeah. and all of that. And it was this constant kind of dialogue, I think, between me and God over a lot of years of like feeling this, this burning need yeah. to share what was in me and just feeling yeah. like if God had to pick anybody, like clearly God would pick me. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly God has better options. Mm-hmm. Um and I spent so many years asking this question. Mm-hmm. And in college, I used to go to church on Sunday nights at this church I was attending. They would have Sunday night just open worship. And people sometimes would stand on the edges and pray and, and come and talk to you if, mm-hmm. if they felt like God was saying something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to this worship service for probably two years. And every time I went, I would ask the same question. Like, God, do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? Do you see me? Wow. Um, because I felt like everyone else was having some experience that I didn't know how to have and yeah. mm-hmm. um, 
one night this young woman comes up to me and she says, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but I was standing over here and I felt like God wanted me to tell you that he sees you and he knows that you're here. Wow. And like, of course, I, I immediately burst into tears. Yeah. Um, but I think I just think back to that moment often and especially after I, I later had a call experience and ended up in ministry, but that like even in all of those years of doubting that yeah. I was seen or that I, God would want me, mm-hmm. that God was seeing all of it, you know, mm-hmm. like the prayer and wrestling with scripture and questions and tears mm-hmm. and like all of the stuff that made up my journey. I was never alone in like, even when sometimes like nobody feels like, I don't think any of us have that feeling all the time that God is here. Like yeah. sometimes we have it, but sometimes we don't. Mm-hmm. But like God sees all of it. Yeah. Sometimes we feel like we have to be a certain way or act a certain way or look a certain way in order to be used by God. And his continual pursuit Mm -hmm. for our heart Mm -hmm. shows us that we don't have to be anything but just who we are. It sounds like you kind of experienced that. Well, and I think the the faith for me that God answers hunger, Mm. you know, that like the desire to be used by God is of God. You know, like that doesn't come from us. Like our our love toward God, anything we offer toward God is an echo. Like wow. the originating sound is mm-hmm. coming from somewhere else. That's beautiful. And I think it took me a really long time to believe that. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was chasing God yeah. and it took me a really long time to understand like that's a response, not an initiation. Like wow. God is chasing me. And like that hunger I'm feeling is, is the echo back of that mm-hmm. pursuit rather than the other way. And it's still work mm-hmm. for me to like flip that image because mm-hmm. I constantly slide yes. back into like, mm-hmm. Like, I'm seeking, I'm searching, I'm reaching, yeah. I don't know where yeah. you are. Yeah. And to be like, no, no, he's here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to get myself postured right yeah. so I see it and know yeah. it. I think Henry Nouwen wrote something about that that really echoes what you're saying, is that we think God's greatest desire, the way we love him, is to seek him and know him and look for him when the opposite is true, that he longs for us to be known, right. be seen and allow him to find us. That's beautiful the way you put that. Well, part of what helped me see that was realizing what a rare and amazing thing it is when somebody leans in Mm -hmm. and they're like, I really want to learn. Like, Mm -hmm. I really want to hear what you want to say. And you're like, really? (laughs) And how this must be a part of the character. Like God Mm -hmm. is so desiring that from us. And most of the time, like we don't even show up to it. Like that God is thrilled when that happens. He's probably just like, oh, (laughs) yes, (laughs) finally. I mean, I get Yeah. (laughs) I've talked to so many women who are just so devastated because they feel like no one's ever invited them in to leadership or invited them into participation or invited them into even discovering their giftings. And mm-hmm. and when they, they realize they've always been invited, yeah, it, the invitation's been extended forever. Yeah. And it's just up to us to say yes to it. It's already right. been extended. Yes, that's right. So how would you encourage somebody that is consumed maybe in their thoughts with anxiety and um, self-doubt, they're busy, crazy schedules Mm -hmm. to posture themselves in that way that you were expressing Mm -hmm. to not feel like they have to do more work for a relationship with the Lord, but uh, to walk into what he's been waiting for. I mean, I I think for me, it always starts with the biblical story um, because in part, like these emotions we have are being fed by narratives that we're telling ourselves and that other people are telling us and we're repeating over and over in our heads. And like to break one narrative, you have to have another narrative. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so 
I mean, find your anchor point in the biblical story, like a story that, Mm. you know, for me, it's the Syrophoenician woman that Jesus interacts with, but like somewhere within the story that like, this is a new narrative and I can, Mm -hmm. I can repeat this to myself and live into Mm -hmm. it deeply. Um, Will you share what that story is? Yeah, there's this woman in Jesus's ministry that comes to him and asks for healing for her daughter and um, the disciples refuse to acknowledge her. They want Jesus to send her away. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that Jesus says to her is, is like, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Mm -hmm. And she pushes back and says, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. Mm -hmm. And what always gets to me about that story is Jesus honors her. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. she, from every rule that people of Jesus's time understood she was outside the story. She's a woman, she's a foreigner, like she's nothing to them. And yet Jesus calls out her faith and says, look at this. This is what I'm talking about. Like there's the next thing Jesus does is multiply loaves of bread. Like there's so much bread in this story. There's no need to be stingy. (laughs) Nobody needs to be outside this because there's so much here. Mm -hmm. And like coming to grips with that for me is like, this is the base character of Jesus. Mm. Like there's so much abundance. There's no reason anyone should be outside it. Mm. Like you are not the exception to that. Mm. <laughs> like if you come to him as this woman does, he will respond to you just like he did to her. Oh, that was so good. Mm-hmm. When you were sharing about the pain of really longing for God to see you and let you know that, and he did answer you, I could feel that pain. And I know a lot of us can feel that pain. And I know, Erin, you've experienced it. I've experienced it. I know our listeners have experienced it. Can I ask you just to maybe step into that authenticity for a second in your present day? Where is it painful for you right now that you're longing for God to notice, longing for God to hear? And how would you encourage the woman who's right there? You know, what are you going through, Megan? You know, what's your, your deal? What's your need right now? And maybe speak to the, us, you know, about how we can yeah. invite God into that too. I think that it, it feels to me so far like that's a dilemma in every stage in life. Yeah. It just hits you in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. And that one time in college was not the only time I've been, <laughs> been through that. And it's, it's mm-hmm. been interesting how God has answered it differently. Um, when I started 11 years ago, you know, I was, I was 25 and single and I just moved cross country alone. And I just felt super overwhelmed by like, what have you done to me, God? (laughs) Like, how did you Mm -hmm. put me in this? And I was praying about it one day and I was really angry. And I said, God, you can't, you can't do this to me. You can't leave me alone in this. And the next day I went to my office and there was this older man sitting outside my office who I had never seen before. And I let him in the office and he told me that he was a retired pastor from the East Coast who was in town on vacation and that that morning he'd been praying and God told him that he should show up at church and encourage me. Oh. <laughs> I, I was that. like, all right. Can't get more clear than that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I say sometimes, sometimes it feels like I, I feel like a mama bird that's like eating the word of God and then spitting it back up into the baby's oh, mouth. Wow. Yep, you know? yep. like Nothing all, for you. Yeah, yeah. All the nutrition yeah. is going out. <laughs> oh, it's goodness. going in. So like figuring out like, what does it mean to swallow? <laughs> like, how do mm. I, how do I get this nutrition deep inside me? Because I'm just convinced there's no faking it. <laughs> like yeah. either you're working out of fullness mm-hmm. and out, out of the depth of like, none of us are completely healed, but yeah. out of the depth of the, the healing work that's going on in your life or like things begin to fracture yeah. on the surface. And it's too easy to neglect that in the name of performing. And I think I've been guilty yeah. of that a lot yeah. of like focusing on the performance rather than saying what, what is the underlying wholeness that's needed? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to make more space in the rhythms of my life to attend to that. 
which is hard because everything feels urgent. Yeah. <laughs> but but I just know like if I let it, if I keep spinning out in that direction, like eventually you have nothing to give. Like yeah. you're drawing out of a dry cup. Yeah. And I think that is a common struggle for women in particular is to like give to the bottom and you don't know you're running out and then you're just out. Yes. And, and there has to be a way to like attend to it earlier and catch it earlier and figure out what needs to come in. What would be your encouragement on how to catch it early? I think all of us have signals of unhealth in ourselves that we just don't attend to. And it takes some more, even like practices of like the daily examine, if you're familiar with that, where every day at the end of the day, you sit down and you say, what is the thing that brought me life? And what is the Mm -hmm. thing that took life today? And I did that practice for a couple of years pretty recently. And, and you begin to see the patterns emerge. (laughs) Like, like there are things that I'm doing or ways that I'm engaging that are Mm -hmm. continually drawing life out of me in ways that are not fruitful for the kingdom or for me. And like, that is now a sign that there's something that needs to be addressed or there are questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm starting to learn more of what the triggers are. Like yeah. when I feel like I flinch when somebody knocks on the door in my office. <laughs> There's like, a signal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's fairly far along. Ew, people. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a line has been crossed. Yeah. And it's now time to walk backwards. Yes. You know? <laughs> we used to use the illustration of uh, moms are like juice boxes with a you know straw stuck in it, except... They have like 59 straws stuck in it and everybody comes and just, <laughs> you know, yeah. all day long. And so yeah. little signal is you're sucked dry. Pay right? attention, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Well, especially when we understand, and this is what I have to keep telling myself because I get so worried about selfishness. And I know this is a tripwire for a lot of women. Like it feels selfish. Um, but just that the Christian life is not about being right or being good. It's about being love. And and being love takes a whole different set of resources. <laughs> like it, it takes a whole different holistic human posture because mm-hmm. um, you can't act love out of the surface of who you are. Like it only comes from the depths and easier said than done. Megan is not the only one who can slip into performance mode. We all forget that as followers of Jesus, our default needs to be dependence mode dependence on Jesus to lead us and guide us and give us the strength we need to do all that he has for us to do. Dependence mode. I like that. We talked about several different topics today, and for anyone who wants to look through the talking points of today's show, the show notes are available in the podcast description. We've also included verses that we mentioned, and we've included a link to Megan's book, The Bible Unwrapped. We also have a link to a free e-booklet titled The Greatest Story Ever Told, which describes the overarching story of the Bible in a way that will help you think through even some of the most difficult parts of Scripture. It's yours, free. Just click on the link in the podcast description or visit our website, godhearsher.org. That's godhearsher.org. And if you enjoyed today's show, or if you enjoy God Hears Her in general, Could you please take a quick moment to write a review and rate us on whatever podcast platform on which you listen? Ratings and reviews help us reach more women with a message that God hears her. Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget, God sees you. He hears you. He loves you because you are His. Before we end today's show, I just want to take a moment and thank Jim, John, and Laura for their help creating and sharing the God Hears Her podcast. Thanks, guys. 